0: So there is an evil spirit that runs very deep in the Chaldean community, and that evil spirit, which taunts us and haunts us, is the evil spirit of perfectionism. Perfectionism is something that runs really deep in the Chaldean community, really deep into our Chaldean blood for generations and generations before us, and I would say that as people who are born here in America, like myself, but I look back and I see our parents and our grandparents, and where it came from, right? It has followed us into this generation. And we see this because where our parents have come from. A lot of our parents came from Iraq. And Iraq had a very strict, tyrant governmental leader at the time, Saddam Hussein, which expected perfection from his citizens. And being a predominantly uh, Muslim country in Iraq, that in Sharia law or some of the laws in Muslim cultures that if you are act up or if you're not perfect in your behavior, you can even be stoned or killed for bad behavior. So this is really deep-rooted even in our Chaldean community, and I would say it had started from the past, right, where our parents have come from. And as a community, we become increasingly focused on being perfect. Right? Having the perfect body, the perfect nose, having the perfect hair. You know, I struggle sometimes, you know, humidity, it's summertime, you know, I need a stronger gel these days. But having the perfect house, right? Our house has to be perfect. God forbid, a million times, Chaldean mothers, God forbid you have one dish in the sink and nobody's even planning on coming over right vacuumed and mopped and washed floors and no visitors like take a break no god forbid having the perfect job having the perfect amount of money in the bank having the perfect wedding reception the perfect marriage as we see these wedding receptions are getting more extravagant these communion parties out of control even gender reveals like it's it's just perfection i have to outdo the next person and it has to be perfect it's got to be perfect Having the perfect children, the perfect spouse, needing the most perfect grades, having the perfect picture on Instagram, making sure we're Insta-ready, on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, we would never, ever, ever post something if it's not perfect. I was getting out of the airplane once and I Uh, You know, and I saw somebody uh, that was getting onto the airplane and she was getting uh, she was getting the air. I was getting off she was getting on father good to see you in the airport. Can we take a picture? I'm like, yeah, so she of course, you know, let's take a picture She has her phone out and she's got her filter on and I'm like, why do I look like an alien? like I Don't understand because I'm looking at myself and I don't look like that like why do I look 30 years younger? Why do I look skinny and why do I look just awesome right now? Like I don't understand. Oh, this is a filter I'm like, can we not do this? She couldn't do it. I hope she's not here, but she couldn't do it. (laughs) She was really struggling, like homegirl was struggling. She was like anxious and stuff. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, we can't do this right now. So her other friend came, she's like, we won't do a filter, we took a picture. But this is a reality, right? Like it's really entrenched. We are really deep rooted in this. Having the perfect name, God forbid, we grew up a lot of us, our parents telling us, don't do this and don't do that. And our name is everything. So just really a lot of perfectionism, in our community and perfectionism brothers and sisters not only negatively affects me as an individual but it also perfectionism bleeds negatively into my relationships with other people because i then start to expect perfection from them and then it bleeds into my relationship with jesus because if i'm a perfectionist then he wants to have nothing to do with me because we start to think that that's what he expects. So first, perfectionism negatively bleeds into the relationship that I have with myself. If perfectionism is the father, let's just talk about a family. If perfectionism is the father, and why we would say it's not a Holy Spirit, that perfectionism is an unholy spirit. If if perfectionism is the father, then his children, listen to his children. Well, who would be his children? His children would be, of, of, of the father of perfectionism, would be Anxiety, Because the anxious person is always like, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It would be worry, would be one of his children. The perfectionist is always worried. Was it good enough? What about this? What about that? The perfectionist uh, child would also be control. Because the perfectionist loves control. And when things are outside outside of my control, it starts to make me nervous. And besides uh, control, the other child would be obsessiveness. The perfectionist is obsessive. I think I have all of these myself. I'm a perfectionist, but I'm learning not to be. Because either, brothers and sisters, we're going to be the generation that ends perfectionism and says there's no room for you in my life, or we'll be the generation that allows this to bleed into the next generation and it's just a cycle from there. And so, We then, again, become plagued in ourselves with this perfectionism, with self-condemnation, it wasn't good enough, self-hatred, self-blame, self-doubt, and it's just an ugly, ugly, ugly thing. So perfectionism negatively affects me, as an individual. Second, perfectionism negatively bleeds into the relationships I have with others. If my standards are this high. perfectionism that I start to look around the people around me and say that's not good enough the grades are not good enough the house is not good enough your body is not good enough it just bleeds into other relationships the perfectionist is not only always dissatisfied with themselves but dissatisfied with others we don't know much about the man in today's gospel besides the fact that his name is Simon that he's a Pharisee and he hosted a dinner for Jesus But there is another detail about Simon that although was not in the Bible today, I'm not manipulating the word of God, but there's another detail in today's gospel that's not given to us, but we can make the conclusion that Simon was a perfectionist. And we can come to this conclusion, although it's not in the Bible, that Simon is a perfectionist is because of his response of how he responds to the woman that is at Jesus' feet. Right? If the perfectionist is not happy with himself, everything has to be perfect. He saw this woman and his response towards her, he was dissatisfied with her, reveals and is evidence that he's a perfectionist. So we hear today's gospel. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw, that he said to him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. His, his perfectionism of himself blinded him from seeing that this woman had changed her life. She was a sinful woman. She's repenting, tears flowing down her eyes, kissing his feet, ointment on his feet, taking her hair and wiping his feet. Couldn't see any of that. He already labeled her. His perfectionism blinded him and he was dissatisfied with himself, which allowed him to be dissatisfied with her. He couldn't see. She made progress. She couldn't, he couldn't see. She loved Jesus. He couldn't see that she changed her life. Because she was not good enough in his eyes. But that comes from an indication of what's going on within himself. And so, not only does it perfectionism affect me negatively, affects the people around me, but perfectionism, again, negatively bleeds into the relationship I have with God. The perfectionist then starts to believe that God expects perfectionism from us. And when we fail and when we sin, we feel discouraged. Feelings of inadequacy, feelings of I'm not good enough, and that Jesus, you did not come into this world for me. It's just a cycle. And I don't know about you guys, but Jesus Christ came into this world for imperfect people. Amen? Yes, he did. So when I'm involved in this rigidity and this perfectionism, and that is just not good enough, it's not from God. It hurts the heart of Jesus. It hurts him. And for those who know their Bible very well, some of you may be saying, Well, Father, didn't Jesus say in a different part of the Bible, he says in the book of Matthew, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, Father, why are you saying that Jesus doesn't expect perfectionism from me? It's because we don't understand what that scripture verse means. What Jesus is saying in that scripture verse is lean on me. I am perfect, Jesus Christ, I'm God. Lean on me and slowly but surely your sins will start to go away, your actions will be different, and then you will start to look perfect a little bit at a time. Because me trying to do better doesn't come from me. We have no strength, brothers and sisters. All of our strength comes from Jesus. When, it th- when I think it depends on me we're gonna fall even more and more and more and get more discouraged and more um, all the other stuff that comes with it. And there is the problem with this in our spiritual lives there's even something in uh, there's another evil spirit that uh, that's with perfectionism in the for, for us who are practicing our faith and it's called scrupulosity. The scrupulous person thinks everything's a sin everything Right? Again, it's this perfectionism. I didn't do well enough. I'm not sure. Did I do this? Did I do that? Did I commit this? Did I'm not sure. But this is not freedom. This is not from Jesus. This is not from the Holy Spirit. We are called to live in freedom. Jesus came into this world so we would be free. And we don't feel very free. It's quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. And brothers and sisters, we cannot overcome perfectionism and stop expecting perfection from those around us until we draw closer to the heart of Jesus. If we want to know, okay, so how do I get rid of this? Because I don't want to be this way. God does not want me to be this way. So what do I do? We draw closer to the heart of Jesus. To his heart. Because once we start leaning into his heart, we start to realize it's okay not to be perfect. His heart starts beating into my ear. When my ear is on his heart, he starts to whisper that you don't have to be perfect. I am the perfect one, not you. I will make you perfect a little bit at a time so that way when you show up to heaven to the gates, I can say to you, welcome home. Because we leaned on the heart of Jesus as if dying on the cross wasn't enough, again, for him to prove that he came into this world for imperfect people, as if that wasn't enough, right? He needed to remind us again. He needed to remind us again. In 1673, he again revealed his heart, his sacred heart to a nun in France by the name of Saint Margaret Mary of Alacoque. That's where we get the sacred heart of Jesus picture, where he is holding his heart and it's on fire for love for the imperfect, as if it wasn't enough. And he will remind us. That's where we get the image of the sacred heart of Jesus from. He revealed his heart to her in 1673 because there was a false teaching going around called Jansenism. Jansenism was a false teaching. The church condemned it in the 1600s. Towards the end of the 1600s, it said, this is a false teaching. And the false teaching had to do everything with perfection. That heresy was that you had to be perfect in order to approach Jesus. So people during the 1600s, I mean 1600s, were not approaching Jesus because even the priests and bishops were saying, "You're not perfect enough." They had sad faces of Jesus in front of the tabernacles of Jesus, sad and his bloody face in front of the tabernacles. So God forbid, don't come near him. And this heresy hurt Jesus so much that he revealed his heart the imperfect. So as we talk about perfectionism, and we stare at the sacred heart of Jesus, and we see the heart which is on fire for us, which is a reminder that it's okay to not be okay. That it's okay not to be perfect. That's why he revealed his heart to us. And this heresy hurt him so very, very much. And so, brothers and sisters, we reclaim the month of June. June. The month of June has and always has been dedicated. I don't care what the United States of America wants to say the month of June is all about. It's not about that. It's about the sacred heart of Jesus. Amen? This is what the month is about. And the beautiful thing is people who are out and holding flags and parades want love as I want love. And all of us want love. But that love can only come from the sacred heart of Jesus. That's it. No judgment. No father is judging. The reality is we all, every single human being wants to be loved. Everybody. And Jesus says, lean into my heart. The church gives us a designated month in June to the sacred heart of Jesus. And he's saying this month, lean in. Place your head over here. Come in. So just some practical things this month, right? Some practical things. How do we engage and how do we enter into this month, this month of June? What do we do? We surrender to the sacred heart of Jesus when we're tempted with perfection. When perfection comes knocking on my door, I stop and I say, Jesus, right now I'm leaning into your heart. I place my head against your heart and I bring this perfectionism to your heart. Open your heart, Jesus, for this perfectionism. I release it into your heart. We renounce. We reject the spirit of perfectionism. We say, in your name, Jesus, and by your most sacred heart, I reject the spirit of perfectionism. It's not from you. I am an imperfect person. This is prayer, brothers and sisters. I get confused sometimes when people say, Father, I didn't pray today. We have to, and this is prayer. We visit the heart of Jesus this month, and every month in Eucharistic Adoration. When we walk into the Adoration Chapel, we don't know what to do or what to say, but we just look at that host and we see his heart his heart is beating when we walk in his heart is open for us when we receive holy communion we're receiving his heart we lean, lean in when we receive holy communion today and anytime we receive the holy communion we're receiving the sacred heart of jesus and also i would say this month we should really study the story of the sacred heart of jesus it's a beautiful story we are all jansenist at times modern day jansenist thinks we have to be perfect in order to approach jesus And Jesus says, I want to take that away from you. Lean into my heart. Let me teach you this month about my heart. So that way, it could change your perfectionism and my perfectionism. We can stop treating the people around us with such high expectations and see them for who they are and love them at where they're at. And that way, we can be who it is that God is calling us to be. So again, this month and every month, let us turn to the heart of Jesus so that way we can be the generation that says no to perfectionism and we will not allow this ugly unholy spirit to bleed into the next generation behind us amen